You take God's precious word and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. God willing, we'll be expounding verses 11 through 13 tonight. The title of the message is, The Steps We Take. The Steps We Take. Proverbs 4, verse 11. Solomon said, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom, as we've learned already, is... Uh, the road or the path that God's laid out for us in his divine plan of creation for mankind. And Solomon says, I've taught thee, I've taught thee in the way of wisdom. And that shows us that wisdom is imparted by teaching. Really neat. Someone just doesn't grow wise, you know. I mean, they may be clever naturally. They may have a high IQ and things like that. But godly wisdom, divine wisdom, uh, it has to be taught. I've taught you in the way of wisdom. That's how God conveys wisdom to us is through teaching. And so wisdom's received by learning. It's conveyed by teaching. It's received by learning. It's received by listening. That's why we're to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. And so we need to have an attitude of someone who is willing to learn, always being the learning mode. Now, not so that you're, you'll fall for anything, but that your mind will always be eager to grasp what you recognize is truth from God's Word. Uh, if the way of wisdom is God's plan for mankind, and if wisdom is imparted by teaching being God's plan, then all people have a duty to be wise through learning, and then all wise people have a duty to what? To teach the wisdom that God has given them. If Solomon was the wisest man and he taught uh, wisdom to others, then that tells us it's both a wise and a righteous thing for us to convey wisdom to others. As we age, I remember when I got in my 40s, you, you start getting to an age where you think, okay, people are beginning to take me serious now, you know. <laughs> Some things, they're beginning to take me serious. And as we age and we get, we master some things in life and become uh, experts in, in whatever field that we serve in. And, and, uh, and, and as we become experts in life in certain areas, after we've, we've endured certain hardships and, and, and uh, our patience uh, our tribulation has worked patience and patience experience and experience hope in our God and confidence in His Word, then uh, we are almost assured of having influence upon others in our care. And it's our responsibility to teach them wisdom. I've so often heard my wife teaching her children wisdom on the phone, in person, and... Uh, at the end of our lives, we should be able to say of those God has placed in our care, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. Just like Solomon did. Paul said, I've, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. We should be able to say, I've taught thee in the way of wisdom. 
Solomon not only taught, but Solomon said, look back in your text, I have led thee in right paths. So what two actions do we have from Solomon tonight? I have taught thee, I have led thee. Isn't that beautiful how scripture just unfolds like that? It's kind of compartmentalized. I've led thee in right paths. Now for us to lead someone in the right path, how do you lead someone? You've got to get ahead of them, don't you? <laughs> That's the only way. If there is a, he says, I've, I've led thee in right paths. The only way Solomon could lead uh, people in the right paths was if Solomon was walking the right path. We're behind them, in the middle of them. He's got to be out in front of them. That's the only way. And so he's ahead of them. He's taking that step. He's not giving advice that he's not himself already taken. And, uh, and before their eyes, he's walking that path that he's been teaching them. Teaching is telling. Leading is walking that way as an example before them. Some parents teach, but they don't lead. Some pastors teach, but they don't lead. Uh, and, and sadly, some parents, uh, they don't become wise until their children get older. That, that's really a hard thing. I, I believe uh, that's probably uh, one of the things that that gentleman that wrote me about is, is uh, experiencing right now. A lot of people don't become Christians until their children are already grown. Until a lot of people out of their circle of influence so they should have had the greatest impact on their lives. They've already kind of found their own way and doing their own thing. And we make mistakes in lives and suddenly we wake up and one day by God's grace we learn the gospel, we become believers, we grow up, our minds change and we think, hey man, I lived like a fool back then. Then we go to our children who are already grown, to our grandchildren or to whatever the situation is, perhaps our spouses or whatever the situation is, and we go to them and we try to impart that wisdom to them at that later stage in life, and they're not going to have it. They're not interested in it. <laughs> and they may mock you when you become a believer. And uh, that's very hard, but it's, uh, it's a very real thing for a lot of people. Um, it's painful for them when they see their children walking in the way of foolishness. And they try their best to teach them wisdom now, but their children despise them when they do. They don't want to hear it. And so they're caught in between this, okay, do I say something and make them upset at me? Because I know they're going to get upset at me when I start talking about God or start bringing up the Bible. Or do I keep my mouth shut and then feel guilty for not saying anything. Anyone ever been in that situation before? Yeah, a lot of people have. And so this is something that we need to understand tonight. That, that uh, it, although is not explicitly stated in the scriptures. It is most definitely implicitly stated in the scriptures that we're going to see tonight. I have taught. I have led. You know, tonight. As we're up here, you know, for church. I have the privilege of teaching. Now, I'm not leading by example right now, am I? I'm doing the teaching part. I have an audience. You're sitting still. I have the, the, a, a great uh, platform to be able to teach. 
the wisdom of God's Word. When a child is young, that parent has the pulpit. They have the podium. Because that child depends on that parent for food, for medicine, right? For clothing, for everything, for shelter. That child is there. Isn't that right, Hannah? Hannah is mimicking all of my motions here. So that's a great audience. And so that's a time in that parent's life when that parent can teach in the way of wisdom, right? Now, when the child gets older and the child leaves the home, the parent loses the pulpit. The parent no longer has... I mean, what good would this pulpit be if all of y'all were at the house right now watching television? This pulpit would do no good. And so the parent loses the ability of having that natural audience of that parent-child relationship, okay? Or, or whatever uh, situation that God may uh, put you in that may also mirror that situation. But I'm talking primarily about parents and children tonight, which Solomon is primarily talking about. And um, what I want you to see is this. Solomon did two things. Number one, he taught. That's when he had the audience and he had the pulpit God gave him. Whether as a parent, as a king, as a writer of scripture, whatever. He had the ability to teach wisdom. When that child grows up, your ability to teach has been somewhat muted. Definitely hindered. Okay? But, here's what you still can do. You may not be able to teach, but you can always lead. As long as they can see your life, you can still lead them in that path of wisdom. You can still lead them by example. Letting them see you live the godly life that you've told them about, that they may scorn you about. Let them see you serving God. Don't ever, ever, ever compromise your walk with Christ to please your grown children who don't serve Christ. Amen. Don't do it. Because you've already lost the ability to teach. All you've got left is the ability to lead. The person that wrote me tonight, that very sad note right as I got up here to the pulpit. He went somewhere he shouldn't have gone to. It surprised me. You know why? His child wanted him to take her there. And so then there's that parent thinking, you know, I, I, I shouldn't do this. This is not what I'm really uh, uh, approve of, but I don't want to damage my relationship with my child. That's how some parents think. I don't want my child to be upset at me. I want to be able to hang out and at least I'm with the child while they're doing this, even though what they're doing is wrong. And if I'm afraid, maybe if I don't give in a little bit here and compromise a little bit there, then maybe my child will distance his or herself from me and maybe I'll lose my influence on them. Listen, if, if they're getting you to drag them to places they have no business going, who's influencing who? As soon as that happens, as soon as you compromise, 
if you're taking someone, if you're taking your child, if your child comes home from, uh, from wherever and they don't go to church, and you know they're not going to go to church on Sunday, don't say, well, so-and-so's in, we won't be at church on Sunday. No. You're not leading them in the path of what You're not getting out ahead of them and showing them what's right. They're, they're leading you out of the path of wisdom and you're following them. You should always lead. If that's all that you have left, don't squander it. The man took his daughter where he did, thinking maybe he would help. And then he gets this bitter news. Listen, I promise you, sin, compromising God's will in your life, will never, ever, ever enhance your walk with God or with your children. God does not bless a home spiritually with, by, by our carnal actions and our, our, our uh, disobedience to Him. So, it's painful. And if this is your situation, it's, it's, it's going to be more difficult to teach your children wisdom after they're old. But every time you get a chance, I mean, we don't want to be a pest, that's true, I understand that, but every time you get a chance, you need to teach them in the way of wisdom as much as opportunity allows. Like I said, I'll hear my wife a lot of times, her children may say something and she'll say, she'll be on the phone with them, she'll say, no, that's not what you should do. That's not right. You should do A, B, C, and D. And she'll be giving them wisdom. They may not like it, but she's telling them the truth. She's telling them the truth. And though you didn't lead them when they were young, you can still lead by example today. Your opportunity to teach may have been damaged, but your ability to lead is not damaged. You can still do it. If they've already passed away, They've already disassociated themselves with you. Sometimes that's the case. You think, oh God, if I could only go back and lead now. But God's already taken them. They've already died. Or they won't talk to them anymore. And they've run off. And I don't even know where they live. That, that's the way it is for some people too. Then you can still lead those whom God has placed in your circle of influence. You still lead no matter who's watching. You lead. God will have someone put their eye on you. Solomon said, I have taught. Underscore, I have taught. Solomon said, I have led. Underscore, I have led. And then Solomon said, when thou goest. Underscore, when thou goest. Circle the word thou. How about that? You see how the wisdom is unfolding here? I have taught, I have led, you are the one that has to go. You see, it's our duty to teach. It's our duty to lead. It is their duty to go. Look back in your text and uh, underscore thy steps. <laughs> Solomon didn't say my steps. He didn't see our steps. He said, I've done the teaching. I've done the leading. 
You have to do the stepping. What, what does that tell us? If you have taught your children the right way to live, if you've led by example in front of them, and, and listen, don't let the devil guilt trip you on something. There's some things we're just guilty of, and, and almost anyone can look back when they were a young parent and think, oh God, I wish I'd done something different. Forgive me, Lord. Almost everyone can do that. Probably everyone. Some more than others. And so there's some things we can truly regret and confess to God and, and, and sin and, and, and wish we would have done things different. But listen, if, if you've taught and you've led, then you've fulfilled your obligation. That third part is up to them, not up to you. And so, yes, we teach. Yes, we lead. But once we've done those two things, our conscience should be clear with God. You cannot step in another person's shoes. You cannot walk for another person. You can only lead. Their, uh, obedience is never dragged down the path of wisdom. Obedience must walk voluntarily. Thy steps. So Solomon is saying, my instruction, my example, your steps. You can't walk for yourself, parents. I mean, you, you can only walk for yourself, parents. You can't walk for your children. You can teach. You can lead. They're the ones who have to step in the direction God's laid out for them. Listen, children can break your heart. When children are young, we watch and they're hanging on the side of the couch or to a chair over here. And they let go and they take those first couple of steps. And we just cheer. We take pictures and videos. Yay! And we cheer when they walk when they're young. But when they get old, sometimes it breaks our hearts when we watch them walk. Because they're walking in the wrong direction. But don't forget the intended audience here. Solomon said, thy steps. Thy steps. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the reader. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. This is God speaking through Solomon to me and you. It's easy to place ourselves in the position of the, the one teaching. The one who's supposed to be leading. But ultimately, whether we teach others or not, we must never forget that we're the ones who need the teaching. We're the ones who need to be doing the following we're the ones who need to step in the way of God's command. And we need to step according to God's divine plan, Solomon said. When we do that, we look back in your text, shall not, our steps shall not be straightened. You see that? Thy steps, he says, shall not be straightened. Now, when you read this, don't think about it. I don't see that very much today. But when I was young... It seems like in the 50s, uh, maybe the 70s, uh, the 50s to the 70s, that, that uh, two decades there, that you would see children with braces on their legs all the time. Well, I don't see that much anymore, do you? So I don't know what that was all about. But this is not talking about straightening your steps like you would straighten your child's teeth or something. It's not talking about, it's not talking about 
straightening them their steps so that they walk straight rather than walk crooked or walk off the wrong path. That's not what it means either. The, 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 the Hebrew word being uh, straightened here, it means to squeeze on both sides so as to box you in. Like, how could that be straight? Well, watch what's happening here. As I squeeze on both sides and I box someone in like this, see what happens? It gets kind of straight. But uh, it's, uh, it's not talking about straight versus crooked. It's talking about wide versus narrow. Okay? I'll explain that to you here in just a moment. Um, I'll use uh, something, a, a term that we would use today would be, um, I was in dire, what? Straits. Does anyone know what that means, dire straits? Well, it basically means the same thing we're looking at here, this, this narrowing. I, I'm pressed on both sides. Okay, here's another way we would say, you've got me in between a rock and a hard place. You see what I'm saying? We use it all the time too. That's another way of saying, my steps are straightened, I'm boxed in. I'm boxed in. I'm trapped. Situation's got me trapped here and I'm caught, I'm done for. And, and so the word here, straights, it, it means their paths has been straightened. It's been narrowed by being boxed in on both sides. And the idea is that we're now in a very stressful and difficult situation. When I was a boy, uh, my dad and, took us out to the spillway on Lake Athens. And we were doing a little fishing out there and catching crappie. I don't. Even, I think we could just lower the hook without any bait in there. And they were just jumping on. There were so many crappie caught that night on this spillway. And uh, well, as a boy, I, I got tired of fishing and I started wandering off to explore. And I remember as I was walking, I was walking on the bank of this spillway, and the spillway was like, you know, it was deep like this where all the water was and the bank was up here it wasn't like a lake where the you know the water and the bank were you know horizontal with each other it was a big long drop and I was walking like this around looking and you could see these big old fish floating around in that spillway down there and and uh, as I was walking I wasn't paying attention and next thing you know my my steps I, I, I had a plenty of space up here but next thing as I was walking I managed to get myself out on a little ledge on the this kind of cliff that that dropped off into that spillway and I'm hanging on to the whatever kind of clay or little rocks I can and my feet have hardly no place to go at all and I looked down and I thought oh man I think I'm about to fall you know and I just had to tread water because it wasn't like you could just swim out because it was like a pit and I thought man this is not good and I was very very uh, scared and uh, I believe I prayed and just by God's grace I managed to be able to step and get back off that ledge up to a wide space where I could actually walk and that's what came to mind when I was thinking of our steps being straightened Wisdom doesn't box our feet in like that. It doesn't put us on the edge of a cliff. I was in dire straits, literally. Wisdom never leads us into situations like that in life. If you're taking notes, Psalm 118, verse 5. 
Psalm 118 verse 5 says, I called upon the Lord in distress. Picture me on that cliff. Picture me with hardly any place for my feet to rest. And I'm hanging on and I call upon the Lord in my distress. And look, listen to what it says. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. You see the difference there? Where before my steps were straightened, boxed in by my circumstances, and confined to my trouble. But when I called on the Lord, He answered me and set me in a large place. <sighs> now, I'm finally safe. I'm not going to fall off in the pit into destruction. Uh, not a narrow ledge but a large place for us to stand and walk in safety. That's what God's wisdom does. Solomon said, when you walk, your steps won't be straightened. You won't find yourself on a narrow ledge like I did. Look back at your text. And when thou runnest, walking uh, is uh, the direction we take in life. It's obeying God's commands, right? Running, on the other hand, if walking is stepping in the way of wisdom... What would running be? How about us eagerly going in the right direction? How about our zeal of the Lord? Eagerly pursuing His will. Running is our pursuit of victory in our service to God. 1 Corinthians 9.24 puts it this way. Paul said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? He said, Everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. He said, but, on, but one receiveth the prize. And so he says this, so run that ye may obtain. And so there's that principle, not of walking. If you're, if you're on a racetrack and you're walking, you're not going to get a prize. Why? Because <laughs> you, were, you weren't uh, enthusiastic about the race, were you? I was... Uh, Standing outside the courthouse a few years ago, and there was this man who detailed cars in Tyler. And there was a particular judge, he liked that man to detail his car. When he would get through detailing his car, he would drive the judge's pickup uh, back to the courthouse, and then he'd walk probably about half a mile or so back to his detail shop. And when this man walked, he always walked like this. He'd step out of the courthouse, and he'd go... Just like that, walking. And I remember one day, this man stepping out of the courthouse, and I knew how he was going to walk. He always walked that way. And as he was walking, he saw another man who was younger than him. Young guy should have been at work, and he was. This guy just walking like this, walking down the street like this. And so when this car detailer walked out of the courthouse, he was doing like this. He saw that man. He stopped. He said, hey, you need to walk with some enthusiasm. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? That man is right. And you know what? That's what this running is all about. This running here is about us following the path of God's wisdom with enthusiasm. With zeal of God. Listen, our attitude, our heart, our passion. In zeal to serve our Savior. It means something. 
God will reward you if you pursue Him with your whole heart. You remember what He said in the book of the Revelation? He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot. I don't want you halfway in between. You know what He's really saying? Christian, you need to walk with some enthusiasm. And if you can't, if you can't follow me with a zeal and a passion in your heart, something's wrong. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't anybody be excited about fulfilling the kingdom of God in His will? He says, you, when you run, He says, look back in your text as we start to close, thou shalt not stumble. We've all watched the uh, races on television where people are running their heart out. And right before they get to the finish line, they stumble. And people run right on ahead of them and somebody else wins that race. Wisdom keeps us on our feet. It not only points us in the right direction, but if, if you're walking in the way of wisdom, you can go all the way, pedal to the metal, and you won't stumble if you're walking wisely. You're not going to get tripped up. The flesh, though, will trip you up every time. Wisdom keeps us on our feet so we can gain the prize for having completed the assignment that God's given us in a particular task. Satan's going to try his best to get us to stumble before we reach the line. I thank God that those who trust in Christ as their Savior, they'll never stumble to their destruction, their ultimate destruction. There's two different types of stumbling in Scripture. One is to stumble ultimately and finally. Uh, like when Jesus said they stumbled at that stumbling stone. He said he, the gospel of Christ, it's a rock of offense. Okay? Well, if you believe on Christ as your Savior, you don't stumble at the stumbling stone. You see, if you stumble at the stumbling stone of Christ, you will die and go to hell because you don't believe on Him. But if you believe on Christ, you don't stumble at the stumbling stone. You're going to stumble at your own flesh. You're going to stumble in the, the foolish path you chose to take, perhaps at a given time. But I thank God when we trust in Christ, we never stumble to our destruction. We only stumble at temporary defeat. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and will get back up again. That's the kind of stumbling we do who trust in Jesus. Not walking in the wisdom of God, it can cause our minds to get off God. Next thing you know, we're stumbling in sin and we've just made a mess of things. Peter stumbled when he denied Jesus, did he not? But he didn't stumble at the rock of offense, right? He ended up preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He didn't stumble into hell. He stumbled in temporary defeat. So uh, to keep us from stumbling, Solomon said we should uh, look back in verse 13. Now take fast hold of instruction, meaning we should latch hold of it. And look back at your text. Let her not go. It means never loosen our grip on the wisdom we hear from God's Word. Never let it go. He says keep her. And that means to make sure we, we never turn loose of her. We make sure she never gets away from us. Why? He said, for she is thy life. Wisdom is what gives us life. Christ has been made to us the wisdom of God. 
Wisdom is what enhances the quality of our life, physically, spiritually, socially. Wisdom is what protects our life from harm or loss. Everything we, we ever need for life flows down from the wisdom of God to us when we receive it as God teaches it and as we listen and accept it by faith so we can lay hold of it and run the course God set before us. With that, we'll go ahead and stop tonight. Yes, sir. All right. Brother Shepherd has a poem. He's reduced the sermon to poetry. Our textbook is the Word of God, a lesson plan prepared to teach the ways of wisdom to the ones for whom we care. If comes the day our little ones are grown but do not heed, then may we yet and without fail continue thus to lead. A showcase for God's wisdom will our conversation be, for when they will not hear the word, our walk they will yet see. So let the ones that wisdom leads and those whom she has taught remember that our steps are safe. We run and stumble not. Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely beautiful. And I, I know that could be a comfort to people. And we'll close with a word of prayer tonight. But if you didn't become wise, you didn't become a believer until you got older, you know what that tells you about your kids? They can do the same thing you did. God can do the same thing with them He did with you. Um, so uh, uh, you teach, you lead, and you just pray to God that they'll walk. But that's going to be their decision. You can't make it for them. Father, we thank you so much for everything you've done. We thank you so much that you teach Lord, and you lead. Lord, you taught us from Mount Sinai. You wrote the law with your finger. But you led us on Mount Calvary. Oh, how wonderful. You led by example and showed us what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for teaching and leading. And Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit who convinced us to walk in that wisdom to accept your word as our law and your Savior as our means of being justified therein. I pray, dear Lord, for all of our children. I pray that for those who are grown and, and perhaps think they're grown, but who are not walking in the wisdom of your word. God, help us to be the parents we should be. Help those, Father, who are struggling deep down in their hearts and, and living with much bitterness and regret. And I pray, Lord, you'll help them to confess their past, but not to live in it. To not walk around laden down with guilt because that's not what the gospel calls for us to do. It calls for us to teach and to lead. And God, I pray that as best we can, we'll be out in front walking that path of wisdom before our children, before our co-workers, before our church members, before the world. We ask it in Jesus' wonderful name.